0: This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Eldorado Gaming. Eldorado Gaming is your site for gifts and gaming accessories like dice, playmats, and other items to bling out your games. Use the promo code META for 10% off your order. Find us on YouTube at EldoradoGamingTX or our home site at EldoradoGaming.com. Here at My Mythical Meta, we talk about gaming with friends and strangers resolving conflicts, and keeping game nights fun, interesting, and recurring. Our game of choice is Magic the Gathering, but our hope is that what we share is relevant for board gamers, RPG groups, video gamers, and maybe even your poker night. I'm Travis, and with my brother Benjamin, and my friends Derek and Randy, we've been playing Magic together since 2014. The secret to a healthy meta is not in the game you play. It's being good friends. Subscribe to My Mythical Meta, presented by Eldorado Gaming, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to My Mythical Meta. My name is Travis, and I'm joined this week by the entire Mythical Meta crew. We've got my brother, Benjamin. Hello. My two best friends, Randy. Howdy. And Derek. (laughs) The entire crew is here. (laughs) Derek, that noise sounds like a duck <laughs> quacking right and i wouldn't normally think that but i have an almost two-year-old and it we're all about animal noises right now
1: it's, uh, have you ever seen the meme it's the uh little kid like covered in peanut butter it's like <laughs> does that feel good it's like uh <laughs> <laughs> so it always oh makes me think of it
2: i've always wondered this why is it that we that as a society have decided that one of the core things that kids need to learn is animal sounds dude i have no idea and it's not like I've never heard a duck say quack. They go or something. Some weird variation. Yeah. Cows. I, I don't know. Are more like a sound. Oh, don't, don't make that sound.
0: You're gonna scare Travis <laughs> off the podcast. Yeah. Don't don't do cows, dude. Not cool. Yeah. Marin's gotten pretty good at her animal and jungle sounds. Yeah, it's pretty cute hearing her, her farm and, do all the her farm and animal sounds.
3: Making cat meow noises whenever y'all were over. Uh,
0: yeah. I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but. Two weeks ago, we went on a vacation. We were in Fredericksburg, and we went to the Lyndon B. Johnson State Park, mm-hmm. like a national park and state park, and there is a working farm on that property, and it was so cute to see Marin running around all of the real animals and pointing at them and calling out what they are and making the noises and touching them and... It was so, so adorable. Aw. That's nice. I know. Sweet baby Marin. Sweet baby. Anybody else do anything cool over the last week?
2: Probably, but not that I remember.
3: (laughs) Dang, how hammered were you? I'm kidding.
2: I was just (laughs) exhausted. Oh, I remember. We went to a, you know, I'm the debate coach, or one of the debate coaches at my school, and we took the kids to a a high-level tournament, and none of of them have been to this, this type of tournament before, and we got destroyed basically but one oh. uh, but we had to stay because one team in the novice division made it all the way to finals so everybody was you know sitting around like oh i'm done oh, i bad. hate it and, we all, and we're staying for this one team that just refuses to lose which is the good for them team. right the novice team <laughs> in the novice division so i don't i don't know how how great of an accomplishment it was but you know what? If, wow, if, if, don't let those debaters hear no, this episode. Jeez, I, I should us. I should back up from that. It, debaters, <laughs> if you are listening to this, good job this weekend. And I hope you learned. In fact, I know you learned a lot because I've been coaching you this week as we work through all the things you learned. And I'm excited to take you to future high-level tournaments. But this was probably a good eye-opener for them because we go to, to a lot of local tournaments, and our debaters yeah. do really well. And every single debater we took to the last tournament placed. They all got a medal or a trophy or something. And so it was like, you know, they were all hot. I'm so good. And so it's like, all right, let's take you to this one and see how far we can go. You're playing with the big
0: boys now. Exactly. Cool.
1: All right, guys, I'll call Talk to you later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great call. (laughs) Yeah. Good episode. No, we do have a topic for today. Today we're going to talk about hobby gatekeeping. Have any of you guys ever had someone who knew so much about their hobby that they made it unfun, yeah, me yeah <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> know him, I am him. <laughs> <laughs>
2: course i know him he's me no of course i know gatekeepers him. He's me. are the that worst good. yeah yeah
0: gatekeepers are absolutely the worst there was a guy i went to college with who was just always reading lord of the ring stuff mm-hmm. like articles and what's the what's the other book called the Semi- S- R- S- R- S- 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 yes whatever that's called and like at that point i only barely knew what was in the movies and, like, I know it's weird for me to be a DD and d nerd who's never read Lord of the Rings, but it's true.
1: Hey, here's a hot take. It's not very fun reading those books. What? I do like, I, I like I'll this. say I'm it. I'm
0: still struggling through Fellowship of the Ring. I'm still I don't need to
1: know through. a person's entire bloodline <laughs> just to get through a paragraph. Yes.
0: Yes. I am past 200 pages into Fellowship of the Ring, and I still have not met Aragorn or Legolas, or Gimli, the four hobbits are still trying to get out of a forest where they met Tom Bombadil, yeah. who's not even in the movies. Right. So <laughs> so I've spent 200 pages being like, who is this guy? Why does he matter? And I'm sure he well, does matter.
1: You gotta be careful. <laughs> the Tom Bombadil fans are crazy.
0: <laughs> I know, the Bombadillians the... <laughs> the are gonna get me. Bombadillos. <laughs> the Bombadillos, that's what we'll call him. But yeah, the, he was just like... It's people like that that make it hard to like something. Yeah. Have any of you guys had that experience with something else?
2: Yeah. Part of us being part of Eldorado Gaming and going to conventions. You know, conventions are places where a bunch of people who are really into something gather. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, there's so many things. There, there's Pokemon, there's Star Wars, there's Star Trek, there's D&D, there's Lord of the Rings, there's Harry Potter. There's just every single fandom you can possibly think there's of. There's 50 different anime shows that all have one season.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like, I've watched 40 of them, right. but I don't know the last 10. And they're like, you're not a true anime fan.
1: Right. Get out of here. Kind of reminds me of being back in middle school when it's like, uh, oh, you like Linkin Park? Name three of their songs. (laughs) Yeah. still do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And because I know people are like this, I often don't buy merch or things that I enjoy because I, I don't know what's in the rest of the canon. And I don't want to be like, oh, did this person like turn evil in a in a, something I I haven't read or whatever and am I gonna be judged because I'm wearing that person <laughs> or is somebody gonna come up and be like, Oh yeah, did you see what they did in season three? And I'm gonna be like, Uh no, I just watched the first season and liked it. Oh yeah. You know, I don't want to be judged for wearing something I don't know enough about, which is which is terrible. It's a terrible feeling to feel like I can't just have fun with the stuff I like because somebody You're letting them win. Well, that's what we're here to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean Ben you and I were you and I were both teachers and imagine the experience of like putting up a poster in your classroom and then a kid or God forbid, a parent being like, Oh, that
2: character did something terrible in season two. Right? It's like, Oh, that's right. Let me, let me take it down. That's why I'm very careful to only put up stuff where I, I know pretty much the entire canon. So it's, it's Ninja Turtles. It's Pokemon, which I, I in fact I've i don't know anything about the the later stuff, but it's Ash and Pikachu, so I figure that's pretty safe. And then I've got old Smash Brothers stuff.
1: Smeagol. Good old Smeagol. Fan favorite Smeagol. No, I don't have Smeagol. <laughs> He's a good guy. Derek, I First th- two? Uh, I think he uh, I think he bashes someone's head in in
0: the third book. Oh, I didn't get that far. <laughs> oh Dang it! The
3: one time
0: <laughs> Cancel Derek. <laughs> yeah, canceled. So yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about today is how to be a good fan of something and how to still welcome new players. So our first kind of brief topic is differentiating and talking about the differences between old and new players. I'm going to be saying players because we're a gaming podcast, but this really goes along with any fandom of something. Derek Start us off.
1: So one thing I I do is I get really interested in something and I just like dig deep and just ba- basically become an overnight expert. I uh, we we ended up watching the Lord of the Rings for Travis's birthday in August, mm-hmm. and I didn't even like I I like the movies I don't like the books and I couldn't tell you the last time I ever thought of it, but for some reason I knew a ton of stuff because I think at one point I was like super interested in it and I was well, like, well, oh, we had yeah, watched is.
0: Rings of Power. I want to say middle of last year also yeah was that
1: right last summer sounds like it yeah yeah or maybe december
0: yeah i don't know it would have been summer break or christmas break for me so i don't know
1: yeah but anyways i i, I don't know i just had a bunch of knowledge i didn't know i had and it feels good uh, but you know I, I don't want to be uh annoying i, I don't know what i'm trying to say anyway uh, those
0: aren't normal orcs those are the uruk-hai which uh, are actually they're stronger combined and combined
1: they, with orcs and they're sun resistant yeah <laughs> So they can go out in the daylight while regular orcs and goblins can't. Actually, if you pay attention to this scene, you could see.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Anyways, when you're an expert in something, it could be hard to, like. I guess, start over yeah. with uh, beginner knowledge. I remember when Randy and I would play World of Warcraft, he had already, I think, gotten to max level. And I was starting out and he was just kind of holding my hand through all of it to try to power level me up. And eventually, I had done that so many times that when it was time for me to do that for younger people, I'm like, I can't do it. I don't want to go back. I can't. <laughs> I can't kill eight boar <laughs> yeah. all over I'm again. I don't want to fight boar anymore. I'm out of patience. So it, that's not super helpful. It, it always helps to pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this
0: for just a standard experience is that. Whenever you get good at something, you don't want to go back to the beginning anymore because you've been there, done that. So it it can be boring or annoying to go back to the beginning, to go back to basics. Yeah.
2: The pride also comes from the payoff of all the time and effort you've spent at getting good or get it becoming yeah. knowledgeable like people naturally want to show off they want to be able to say look how much i've read look how much i've watched you know because it is the culmination of so much time you don't want your your time to have been wasted you don't want your effort to have been wasted so if you can get some cred or if you can make it matter that you watched every single avengers ip or you know you've been following the dc comics since the 40s or whatever i'm probably gonna lose some credit on that because i I don't know when dc came out but uh or or like if you've played every single legend of zelda game or anything like that right the mario games yeah i mean that's a that's a great example right so like if you if you become an expert at something you want to show it off. And there's a bit of pride in that, you know, if you have to go back to power it down, suddenly your expertise doesn't mean anything because it's not valued, right? It's when it goes from, I I can curb stomp you to I, I'm, I can't curb stomp you or else it's bad manners. Like that feels bad to kind of power down like that. Yeah. So why does the way we treat new players
0: matter? You know, for example, we are all enfranchised Magic players. Why does it matter how we treat new players?
3: So in order to keep playing your game, the companies that make it need to make money. And the best way for them to make money is to have new people join the hobby. And so Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be gatekeeping your game because if you do, if you want to make it feel like, oh, well, they haven't been through all the things I have, and so they shouldn't get to play the game or something like that. Right. All you're going to do is hurt yourself because unless you're super rich and you can afford to uh, support that entire games <laughs> industry on your own you know, bank account, you and your people aren't going to be able to just keep it afloat. You need new players, new income because people are always going to be leaving a game. So you always need to have people coming in. So if you're gatekeeping something you love, you're hurting it more than helping it. Yeah. It's kind of like you love it so much that you strangle it. And then someone's gotta come and put you down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then the meta's gonna roll up and put you down. Right? Yeah. Exactly. The mythical meta is here. So,
3: you know, it's just like if you love a game, don't gatekeep. Encourage new people to come and play. You gotta be a really positive a positive aura or a positive force in something that you love to, you know, keep it going so that you can keep loving it.
2: Yeah. I often think about this when I, when I watch the magic finance people, the people who buy boxes to, to invest, and the people who look at the old original cards that are worth a bunch of money and things like that. You know, They, they often get mad when, when Wizards reprint something or worry about how a new set's going to devalue old cards or things like that. And I always think like your cards that you're hoarding only have value because people want to play with them and the moment the game goes from being accessible to being so inaccessible that new players refuse to join that's the time when your investments start going down again right and they don't seem to get that 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 there there's a fine line between accessibility and and keeping your you know the value of your cards afloat and it dying right and and you, everything King,
1: you've capitalism man
2: yeah But, I mean, a franchise... (laughs) And Derek says, 13 episodes in and now it matters. (laughs) Wow.
1: It always comes back to capitalism.
2: Huh. Fancy that. Well, I mean, (laughs) even if you were doing something like chess, let's do something where, where there's no, you know, chess predates the current capitalist structures, go back to feudalism or medieval China or whatever, and you'll see that if chess doesn't bring in new players, it too will die because players are always dying or moving on to old other hobbies or or for for the games that we tend to talk about they're maybe moving on to a new stage of life where they can't devote time to the game or things like that and every time that happens to a player you need at least one new player just to keep your game on the same level right and some of these older games like chess and go they're popularity ebbs and flows based on how many new people come in at at a single time chess is at a is super popular right now yeah Yeah, it's kind of weird well it's the queen's gambit the queen's gambit yeah that that like so i spent about six months or a year really getting into chess and a bunch of my students were into chess and were bringing chess boards to school and i was playing with against them on on chess.com app and all that and i stopped I haven't come back, right? Chess has lost from its peak even a year ago. And and, uh, there are so many streamers and stuff that have done a good job reaching out to new players, but just attrition comes for us all and comes for every hobby. And if the hobby itself is not reaching out to new players, then the hobby itself will not survive. So if it's something that you care about, you have to keep going. And something Travis pointed out before the podcast started is, you know, Pokemon is the richest franchise on earth because every couple of years they work on bringing in Brand new players, young, players. young players, 10 yes. year old players.
0: That is always their target. Like every new game, they don't make new games to cater to the 20 year olds, the 30 year olds, the 40 year olds that started playing Pokemon in 1989. They just don't care about those people. Right. <laughs> Every new game has a target audience of ten year old. Yep. Be cooler if they did. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you. It would be cooler if they did. Just let you customize a character.
1: Give me that M Rated Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know
0: if I need that. But the idea is is true though, that the ten year old player base will always be bigger than the older player yeah. base. Yeah. Like that's just the way population and human growth and death human mortality <laughs> works <laughs> then the number of 10 year olds will be higher than the number not of old. year olds.
1: Let me pitch you this. All right. It's the Pokemon war. You guys are coming across <laughs> on amphibious Pokemon. It's 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 D-Day. It's saving private Rive with Pokemon in a game. Tell me you're not playing that.
2: Yeah. I mean yeah, yeah of course I'm playing
1: it. You got the Matt Damon character screaming. <laughs> you're not going to have as
3: many buyers though as Pokemon exactly, Silver. Is. Yeah. Exactly.
0: No matter how cool that is it won't sell as much as Pokemon, uh, let me let me think of another one.
2: A great example of this is Pokemon Colosseum, which was kind of a little bit grittier and yeah, that's true. It didn't have the numbers that Pokemon Stadium or that I guess at the time it was Gold and Silver, right? Because it didn't have the same audience. Pokemon knows what they're doing. They they have put out a few products that are yeah. for slightly different crowds and Pokemon Arceus is yeah. kind of different also because the Pokemon can attack humans directly in
0: that one.
3: You know, I think. I could be wrong, but I feel like, you know, a fandom that hasn't been able to keep new people coming in is like all the old sports trading card people, yeah. you know, for a long time in like the, probably from like the fifties and onward to like the, maybe the nineties, it was or the eighties, it was pretty popular, but then I feel like it's yeah. died. And I feel like the only people that I've ever seen collect any kind of cards are, if not my, you know, mid thirties or older you don't see kids going out and buying packs of tops That's uh, true. trading card and being like, Oh, I got the insert baseball player name here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Benjamin,
1: I got rookie Jose Altuve. Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. Yeah, Benjamin,
0: if you're Benjamin, if you're a real fan, Name three baseball players. That
2: aren't the Astros. That aren't the Astros. Oh, no. Sure. Mike Trout. Yeah. Uh, Otani. Who? Uh Babe Who? Ruth, uh Jackie Robinson. <laughs> Aaron. Uh yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Characters that hadn't been around are not characters, but but famous <laughs> people from like forty years ago. Those What's the, the one, one from Alvin? Nolan Ryan. Oh right.
2: Yeah nolan ryan exactly it's a bunch of old you know old ones no i can just, i can name current player i can name a bunch of no, current no, no, players
3: no. I, I know i know you can but i just feel like that's a phantom I, I could be wrong maybe that fandom is doing just
2: fine no no you're why. right they're still printing yeah well they're still printing because the older collectors have a bunch of money and are still out there but i don't hoping I, yeah i don't think it's a it's a hobby that's going to last another a generation and we and and it's been around for 150 years And, uh, now it's kind of moved a little bit. They, they have the online NFTs.
0: Yeah. I would think it was a lot more digital. Yeah.
2: But even, even then it's just
3: like, I don't know, I guess because there's not a game built around it. It's like, what's the point of this card? Oh, that, that's a four hundred dollar card. How? Yeah, it's weird. Cause... That's one thing that never clicked for me: is, is how is this tra- the trading card? But it's like I well, guess it's, well, like, so it's the value of getting
0: a set. Well, its value is tied to how good the player does. Right. In so, the like game, the idea: right?
2: if you get a card that's for a certain uh, you know event, like a, a rookie card, for example. Well, when they're a rookie, you don't know if they're going to have a great career or not. So, you know, twenty years later, they go into the Hall of Fame, and you're like, who managed to Actually, pick up a card from when this guy was a rookie. It's totally tied to their rarity only, and yeah, right. I get, I get, I get yes. that, but I just don't
3: see how the value gets attached to it. It's like, yeah, the kid, the person, Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player in history yes you know
0: yes say inflammatory comments like that bring in the comments no no that's not inflammatory
1: that's a fact that's a fact (laughs) (laughs) the Larry Bird fans are reeling right now I agree with you
3: but there's gonna be people (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's like LeBron is better
0: Kobe and LeBron comments (laughs) let them flow in
3: (laughs) anyway but what I'm saying though Michael Jordan a great player the greatest but if I have his card it's like cool it's a picture on cardboard that does nothing else I don't get that.
2: Yeah. Now they have started doing things like we cut up a Babe Ruth jersey and stuck pieces of that jersey in these packs. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Yeah. Stuff like They've that. Yeah. Doing you that? have you have ones that have like game that worn is jersey, wild. And, and so of course there's only a, a very limited number of those cards. Yeah. I can't wait
0: for the magic secret layer that says uh, we cut up one of Gavin Verhey's <laughs> times. Yikes!
3: I mean, my brother has a <laughs> and, piece of Michael Jordan's <laughs> jersey. <laughs> From one of his away team jerseys. One of the white ones, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a little one inch by one inch square of that jersey. And it's in a display case. you know. So it's like sealed. And then above it, it's got a picture from the game that he wore it.
2: Yeah. Well, and see, the cards have value for the exact same reason that square jersey has value. They're rare. But I mean, like like, the
3: jersey is like he wore it. You know, like that's physically... The card, uh, you know, anyway, that may be a little off topic, but I don't think they've done a good job of keeping new people coming. And so it will die within a generation or two.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you.
0: I do think you're right that collectible trading cards for things not collected to a game right. are going down. But trading cards themselves. Like sports cards, even things like, I don't know, Star Wars character cards. If it's not collected to a game, their their value yeah. goes way down. Yeah, their market value, their sentimental value for the collector is obviously whatever value yeah. they pay. and I,
3: I guess, you know, a lot of it being sentimental value is maybe what's keeping new people from coming in because it's like, oh, I'm not gonna pay $900 for a Nolan Ryan card. Like this guy who I never saw play a game. Right. So that the guy who makes sausage. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Is that my butcher? I think that's my local butcher. <laughs> I did not know he played baseball. Is yes.
2: Nolan Ryan still alive? He's, he's pretty old, but he's still alive, yes.
0: Okay, 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 okay. He lives in Don't Alvin. do get on to me for that. <laughs>
3: I'll have
2: to check house. him down one day. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's Alvin. Well, I mean, literally the Nolan Ryan Expressway runs pretty close to Derek Manny's yeah. house. That'd be funny if he
3: just lived on the street named after him.
2: Yeah. Side note, that happens in rural
0: Louisiana all the time. Oh, people living on because the street. Because someone's... Yeah, <laughs> because someone's been there for our, because <laughs> for a they named the street after the family that lived there. Yeah, I think yeah.
2: several of our family members live on streets with our name. Yeah, or their name. Yeah,
0: it's pretty cool. So, all of that to say that if enfranchised players want their game or their hobby to continue, if they want the game developer or designer or manufacturer, if they want those things to keep pushing out product, then they have to welcome new players. You have to lower the gates. You have to open the doors in order to let people in. Hobby gatekeeping is, and I I don't know if this is an inflammatory comment, hobby gatekeeping is the most anti-fun and anti-productive thing you can do for the Mm -hmm. health of your hobby. Mm -hmm. If you just tell people that you're not good enough to play my game, oh my god, you're just shooting your game in the foot. Because at one point, you were a new player. Like, every enfranchised franchise player must remember that they were once a new player. And the things that got them into it are still working on getting new players in. If they let... Be the person that you wish you had known when you were getting started, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah
3: for real. You know, if you're like, hey, I had a hard time getting into this game, so should they. That's a bad attitude, Yeah. you know. I had a hard time. I wish I had someone to help coach me or encourage me. Be the encouragement.
1: I had to work at minimum wage for $3 an hour, and no one helped me out. Oh, my God, yeah.
0: Derek,
3: I knew you (laughs) were going (laughs) to say something because I was was thinking thinking it, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because I was thinking it. Don't economy
3: gatekeep
1: us. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I wish someone would forgive my loans. (laughs) I... Be the loan officer you wish you had.
1: God, I I would. Right, economy oh, gatekeeping. Man.
0: Be the Department of Education right. you wish you had.
1: The,
2: I think there are there are times and places. Dad, mom, <laughs> there don't are, are times to this one. and places where you know character needs to be built. The kids need to do the chores. Don't be the parents you wish you had. The dad right? from Calvin and Hobbes. He's building character. I'm just getting wet. It's raining. Because <laughs> I, you know, I look back and see the character I built. But it, there's a time and place for that. And honestly, magic is not the place I want to build character. There is good place. I mean, perseverance, learning. There's lots of character to be built. But it's not your job as an enfranchised player to force someone to build character in your game, right? <laughs> like, you're not their dad. Yeah. <laughs> anyways <laughs> you're not my dad so yes yeah be that person so i think that takes us on to uh, to the next one if we're talking about barriers to entry don't be the barrier to entry what does that mean yeah be an open door
0: love is an open door
2: okay i guess some other barriers
3: besides you know what, what he meant is like i know i've played quite a few games and I guess I'm kind of gatekept by the game itself by hitting paywalls. Uh, I know a lot of mobile games are bad about this. And, you know, you get that initial dopamine hits from leveling up real fast and getting new gear, discovering new stuff. And it, it can be kind of fun. But uh, to me, that's one of the biggest gatekeepers is when it's to a point of I open the app, I do daily chores, and then after hopefully a month of doing my daily chores, I'll get another dopamine hit unless I start paying to speed up the process. Yeah, those those are. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, time to uninstall this. I, I probably do that like uh, maybe once a month. I'll just get a new game, go through it real quick and paywall. So some of them don't always do that, but um, yeah, that, that's that's a pretty bad majority. But I guess that's what I get for playing free games and not paying for the game.
0: itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this happens at the beginning of lots of games. If there is a wall, any type of wall, to getting into the game, a player is more likely to stop. They're just not going to be interested in putting in time or, in the case you just described, Randy, money in order to get those same dopamine mm-hmm. hits again. In order to have the same entertainment.
3: Yeah. And you know. Sometimes it's not even just like a paywall. I've played quite a few games. Where it's literally just the. The user interface. The UI. Is just so. Unintuitive. Yeah. yeah, Unintuitive. Too many like sub menus. And sub screens.
2: You know. I gotta gotta click here.
3: To here. To get to this. To find the one thing I was looking for. But then. I forget how I got there. So it's like. Well crap i gotta (laughs) spend another two minutes going through every option to find that one option again
2: that's how i that's how i felt about gundam battle gunpla warfare is man to do anything you had to click so many menu options and if it weren't for the ip i probably would have quit it pretty early on yeah i agree with you i've
1: tried playing a lot of like japanese games and rpgs most mostly rpgs and woof, the, uh, the menus, I mean, they're so in-depth, which the right person would enjoy that. There's a lot of, you know, things going on, like crafting systems and alchemy, whatever. But boy, every time I see that I have to... I'm like, how do I, how do I get to my inventory screen? And when I feel stupid in a game, I don't want to, I don't want to keep playing the game.
0: I only played Starfield for about three hours so far before I downloaded Phantom Liberty and started doing (laughs) that instead. But uh, Starfield's inventory is enormous. Just the variety of items. And without knowing what each item's used for, I have a hard time saying like, wow, I need to stick around to learn all Mm -hmm. of this. Yeah. In order to do Skyrim in space? Like I'm here for Skyrim in space. Yeah. Oh man, Derek, what's the other space game
3: that Brandon put like 10 grand into? Star Citizen? Star Citizen. <laughs> Star <laughs> Citizen <laughs> what? is a like gorgeous game. I really want to like it, but man, is it just because it's so in depth with like the flight systems and stuff like that and I guess since it's early access, uh-huh. the tutorial sections aren't there for you but it is not intuitive. Oh, okay. It is. I mean, maybe I'm a big dumb, dumb, but um, I can kind of get it. But then I'm like, why am I out of fuel? I didn't know I needed fuel. I mean, it's a game, but I'm hoping maybe they change that, but that's super unintuitive and it's really hard just to kind of figure out everything on your own.
1: If I could double back to Starfield, I played it for like, I think three hours maybe. And they told me to go to the first planet. I'm like, what am I doing here? I guess I wasn't paying attention to the the dialogue or something. I had to go talk to someone. (laughs) I'm landing here. And I'm just like, there's no markers. There's no information about what I'm supposed to be doing. And maybe there is. I just can't find it. But now I'm so put off by that that I don't want to give it another chance. I'm
0: sure that I'll give it another chance someday. Not today. But I'm way too into Cyberpunk.
3: Yeah, and kind of what you're talking about, Travis, with having all this stuff in your inventory. Someone I watch on YouTube, the Lazy Peon, he does reviews and stuff like that for MMOs. And he had a, a good point the other day when he was talking about things he doesn't like in the MMO genre. And it's like when they put all this junk to fill up your bags and your inventory in a game. And it's just like half of it has no use. It's just a gray item that's meant to be picked up and sold. And it's like, yeah, I guess that's a yep. way to make a little bit of money. But it's not worth it because it's annoying to the player yeah. to put that in there. Yeah. And then now I've got to do bag maintenance for two hours to go through all my bags, figure out what's what, what's
0: useful. That has been a turnoff in Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I mean, I, that's I get, I get that's, it. That's one thing what? I don't like on Baldur's o- Gate. Only only one thing in Baldur's Gate. Yeah, that's why my only gripe is the
3: inventory. That's why management. my first mods that I download are going to be the one that gives you 9,999 pound carry weight. <laughs> and then there's another <laughs> yeah. mod that gives you 21 bags and everything auto <laughs> filters into those bags. So so it, it's like oh, trash, so nice. gems, armor. It's going to like sort all that for me. And I don't have to worry about my carry weight. Ooh, so that's, be nice. that's my first mods that I'll be downloading on my next playthrough. Because it's like, I want to look at all the cool stuff that they've put in there. But sometimes it's like, I don't have room for it. I mean, I've literally logged on. I only had like two hours to play. And I spent the entire two hours doing inventory management. Oof.
0: And then I was like, well, that was fun. Yeah. Save. That's happened to me in Divinity before. And obviously, they're the same developers. Yeah, so,
3: so. just... Stop putting stuff in your game that doesn't need to be there. That's just there to either... Like, some games do it because they're trying to sell you a resource of, Hey, pay $6.99 a month and you have infinite backspace. Ugh. (sighs) Or, I don't want to come back and play this game because I haven't played in two months. And then I open up my
0: inventory and what the hell is all of this? Wouldn't it be nice in Baldur's Gate or Divinity if there was like a... Just junk conversion where I didn't have to go to a... Just automatically you know, destroyed it into money. Where I didn't have to go to a vendor. Oh, man. Yeah. Just let me convert this golden goblet into cash. What a dream that would be. Yeah. What kind of magic
3: curse heresy are you talking about?
0: <laughs> I mean, I live in a world of magic. Teach me a spell called gold melting right. shape metal come on T- teach me a spell called counterfeit gold, go. and i can transform uh junk dishes and plates and cups into
1: shopkeepers don't want you to know this one little <laughs> secret
0: <laughs> <laughs> those are definitely some barriers to entry most game designers are consciously trying to reduce barriers they're going to try to lower the barrier to entry as much as they can while preserving the game's depth for experienced players there are probably really experienced players who love inventory management i i I can't fathom that as being a fun part of the game but there are people out there who love resource management and who just get kicks off of being as efficient as possible
1: yeah
3: but i think that's the game you know factorio or Derek, you play some of those kind of games.
1: Yeah. I enjoy it. I don't like having to sit there and try to sort stuff, but that's what Justin's for. He likes <laughs> He's my little my little inventory <laughs> goblin. I
0: mean, like, I-, I never played Minecraft, but I know that Derek, you were deeply into Minecraft for a long time. Isn't inventory management like a part of the of the base game?
1: Yeah, basically. Um you know, you do a lot of mining, obviously. And yeah. you never know if you're gonna need it. So like storing all this dirt, all this stone, all these different, you know, things that you have to collect. Yarn. Yeah. Things you might need for later. <laughs> uh storing and managing those for a future that may never come. I yeah.
3: just remembered, I you just triggered a a memory for me. A cool yeah, memory of I know it wasn't intentional, I'm sure. But Derek, I kind of feel like your gate kept me whenever I started playing Minecraft.
1: You know what? I actually remembered that the same time earlier. Uh, I was just like, he won't remember. I'll let it go. <laughs>
3: no, you it, it, uh, brought
1: but- up Minecraft. And I was like, no, I remember this because
3: Derek was big into it. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. I downloaded the game, I joined their server, him and some other guy are in, like, free creator mode where they can fly around and just generate anything that's needed, any resource, any material, and I'm over here, and they're like, no, we, we, we put your profile, like, real life mode. So you constantly have to be like, all right, I got to go beat up some trees to get my wooden pick.
1: Yeah. So it was definitely a moment of <laughs> gatekeeping. Yeah. Because we had started on like survival where you have to manage like food and health and all that stuff. Yeah. And we would gotten to the point where we needed to like really go crazy, go stupid with like building. So we were like switched in creative to like, we were like doing like challenges and games and stuff like that. And Randy joined. And this is 10, 12 years ago now uh oh yeah it was yeah, a very long time ago that I was like oh I, you know I, he shouldn't get creative mode because he doesn't appreciate what the normal game is mm-hmm.
0: yet.
1: but you know that wasn't for me to decide yeah <laughs> yeah
3: not only was i in survival mode
1: you know they would just
3: kind of pop in every now and then and be like hey how's it going i'm like hey look at this uh castle it's really basic rudimentary stuff but to me i had been working hours on it and I was yeah. like, i was like yeah this is my castle this is this and it you was know, a large box. I it, remember. It, it, was, it was a big I mean
1: I tried to fancy up, but it was basically a big large box. I remember that castle.
3: But I had to build it myself.
0: Oh my god. Um, anyway,
3: and then he took his little magic wand and he had a thing where he could just make all of my stones in the castle turn into like pink wool. So now my entire castle was just a big pink fluffy <laughs> wool palace. And I was like, "Cool. Can you turn it
1: back?" Nah. <laughs> that wasn't me that wasn't me
3: Mm -hmm. i really
1: think it was that wasn't me i I think that was richard Mm -hmm. so that's not a a prank i would play on someone
3: sounds like something that you pushing up on someone who's not here to defend themselves (laughs) well maybe
2: so i think what y'all are demonstrating is is a larger point that you know sometimes it can be the experienced players that are the barriers to the newer players Right, So Derek, he liked being powerful. He liked feeling good. He liked feeling, I accomplished something because I was here from the beginning. And yeah. Yeah. look at all that I know about the game. Look at me wield yeah. my knowledge. He didn't He didn't have to struggle like I did. Right? You know, this is something we've talked about on several news from the Warfront segments. You know, people like to win. And so they'll often go curb stomp somebody with their $2,000 deck. Or they'll pull out their level 9 deck against a bunch of people playing pre-cons. Or or things like that. That just seems to be a recurring theme in, in fandoms and in game groups. And it's because people like to win. But you do that too much to somebody like Randy, and he's going to say, you know what, I'm not going to play with you anymore. Minecraft lasted maybe a couple months before I was like, all right, I'm done. Exactly. If Derek had let you in on the better stuff, you might still be playing it, right? But you didn't want to have to grind that way. And 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 you didn't, you know, he he was... Messing with your progress and showing off. Again, that wasn't me. It was. It was probably you. Uh, and <laughs>
0: Derek Silver's here. Now there's no way <laughs> to verify. I've killed the only witness,
1: <laughs> so now it's my <laughs> word versus Randy. <laughs> I do
2: forgive you. Aw, oh, that's good. Thank you to learn to forgive. We're, we've made progress. That's really sweet. As we uh, as we talked about in t- in episode, I think it was episode five, teaching your game. That you know, new players need opportunities uh-huh. to win, to feel invested, to, to, to want to continue. And there's only two ways they can win, against other new players or against you, the enfranchised player. And if you're the one who brought them into the game, they need to feel like they're getting better when they play against you. And so you can't be turning their castles into pink wool palaces. You need to be you know, encouraging them and, and showing how how great that is and and even showing how how it's better than a castle you built when you were at that stage and things like that and giving them kind of the steps for making them yeah. feel better. Now to be fair, he did when I
3: asked questions about how does this work and how does that work. He did, you know, help me with uh the the, the learning curve because I didn't have the That's good. like I guess the base game tutorial survival version, you know. Right, you
1: just jump right into it. Yeah, so he yeah. did
0: Jump into y'all's specific yeah.
3: server. Yeah.
2: He did help like that, yeah. so give him, give him a little credit. Uh, you know what? I've got a perf- the perfect example for this. As of a few minutes ago, the Astros won the ALDS series. That's the American League Division Series. Per usual. Thank you. Per usual. They're now going on to their seventh consecutive American League Championship Series. And I bring that up because there are many people who became fans of the Astros over this run. Right? Especially us being here in Houston. A lot of people who probably didn't follow baseball. Maybe they were football fans or basketball fans. And now, you know what? Winning brings in a lot of people. And I see people around. Oh, yeah. Lots of my own friends or co-workers who are like, oh yeah, were you watching them in 2014? Do you remember when they called up Altuve? Were you there when they went to the World Series in 2005? Or I was there when the Killer Bees, you know, and they've got their old jerseys and their, and their old... all the different gears and uh, you know they talk about i don't know they talk about all sorts of stuff now i have been there for pretty much my whole life but people will still do it for me like like they'll talk about the great teams we had in the 80s and how real fans know who such and such is and i'm like well sorry i wasn't born then yeah what do you want me to do about that right but i but i got to the astros as soon as i could you know i've been a fan since i was five I mostly don't get this directed at me because I'm one of those people who goes out and learns everything I can about the th- the things I'm passionate about but but I don't want to stop people from from liking the Astros. I want to be able to talk t- to the new fans about, "Hey, isn't this fun? Isn't this exciting?" And I, and I don't want to turn them away because they don't because they weren't there 10 years ago. You know, because they didn't stick through the tough times. They shouldn't have to. If the team's bad on the field, <laughs> go watch somebody else, right? Or or go play a different game. And so, I mean, even the word fair-weather fan. Yeah. Well, I think that's okay. Sports isn't a job. You know, It's you don't have to. It's, spo- yeah, it's fun. supposed to be fun. It's if be if fun. they stop putting something fun on the field, you don't have to give them your money or time. Now, I happen to enjoy the sport, and I don't mind when the team's losing because I'll just follow other teams and still root for my team while they're losing. But, like, that doesn't make me a better fan. It just makes me a different fan.
1: Yeah. I mean, it happens in sports, happens in television, movies? How many times have you heard... Oh, you, you, you like the TV show of whatever? Game, game you of like the, the Harry Potter movies? Oh, yeah. Have you even read the books?
0: Yeah, all of that. It's all
1: condescending, TV. too. It's like, who gives a... It's sh- like, oh, you like Divinity War? Did you read right. the comic? So since you didn't know that, you can't really appreciate this
0: movie. It's so, so annoying.
2: Yeah, those sorts of things make people feel bad for being fans, for wanting to get involved, and all you're doing is killing your hobby. Yeah, all that person would have needed to say is like, yeah, the movie was good
0: and so is the comic.
2: Yeah. Invite them. Say say hey if invite them, yeah. Say hey, yeah. do you want or to Or if borrow you line? like that, you'll probably really like this other thing. You know, check it out. Show show them how to check it out, right? Show them how to log into Crunchyroll. Yeah. To see season two of whatever anime they just found out. <laughs> and don't overwhelm them. This goes back to teaching your game and all the stuff we talked about earlier with hitting a wall. If you dump ten seasons of something on... You know, I'll give you the perfect example. I have friends who are into Doctor Who. And I have seen maybe four episodes of Doctor Who. And I liked it. But I am unwilling to go and watch. You know, what are they on? The 14th? <laughs> 15th Doctor? Benjamin said, I refuse. I refuse. refuse. On moral I just grounds. don't have time to start from fifteen doctors, and and some of them multiple seasons. I'm sure, like I, or I guess probably most of them, multiple yeah. seasons. I just can't. Maybe when I'm retired, and my kids have gotten into the the thirty seventh Doctor, and I and and they sit me down to watch twenty five through thirty seven, maybe I'll I'll be able to do it. But like, it's just gotten to a point where I can't. And because I know that every Doctor Who fan. If I say I like Doctor Who because I've watched one season of it and I, I'm interested in getting into more, it will shut me down for trying to get into more episodes of it because they'll be like, well, who's your favorite Doctor? Well, the only one I've seen. What? Well, this other Doctor was way better. And, and they'll just go on and, and I just... Even the nice ones. This doctor's
1: a girl.
2: Well, oh! and even the nice ones who won't do that—they're like, "Oh, well, let me tell you which seasons you got to watch. You got to watch seasons two, three, and four of the first doctor. You got to watch seasons one and five of the second doctor." And I'm like, "Okay, that—that that, it's too much already, right?" So even the the fans that mean well—those are the ones who've turned me off because I just see how much there is that I—I'm I, overwhelmed. And and we're gonna talk about universes beyond later. Just the magic. Like, I love the the Doctor Who cards. I think the design on the Doctor Who cards is Yes, super I'm fun. excited to play with them. They look but really cool. it goes cool. to prove that I don't want to get into Doctor Who. Because I just see how much lore is just right there on those cards. And I realize it's just the very tip of the iceberg. Because it's just cards. And I'm scared. Like, mm-hmm. I can't do it. <laughs> when I had students last year, just like,
0: saying the words Naruto or yep. One Piece could turn me off. Just because I know how deep they are and the kids don't want to talk about the beginning that's not what they're interested in because they're experts they've seen it all and they don't want to go back to the beginning for somebody who's
2: who's uninitiated yeah the casual fan well what can
0: enfranchised players do you know if we are the more experienced magic gamers or if we are the fan that's deep into a franchise or something what can we do experts in general can often see the flaws in a system. Famously, this comes up every new set about Magic, is that Magic players will complain about every new set. Yeah. And people who have been playing for a long time can see the flaws in each new card or each new set, or in business practices or whatever. They think they're qualified to comment on it because they've been playing for a long time.
1: Okay, here's an example for me. I used to play Marvel Strike Force, Free-to-play game, but to really, like, be good, you needed to pay to win to get these all-new power characters every week. And the prices started going up. The quality of game we were getting was going down. They were cutting corners. And just overall, you could just see that the game was in decline. You know, like, oh, last month or last time we did this event X amount of months ago or something, they offered this, 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 and this. And now this month, it's supposed to be the same thing, but they're only offering this and this. It's like you could, like, see their weaknesses or, or you know, how ch- how cheap they're being, how stingy they're being. And it kind of falls on us and franchise players to kind of, like, rally and not gripe, but, like, you know, say, hey, fix this, do better on this.
2: Yeah, but with your pocketbook.
1: Yeah, like the new players don't know any different, so they're not super upset.
0: Well, they might be, like Randy was when he described hitting a paywall. Oh uh, Yeah. Or hitting bad UI. If the quality of the game goes down their likelihood of getting new players is going to go down. Yeah,
1: so it's like a a fight to try to keep your game alive. It's
0: like a bad feedback loop.
1: Sometimes they take the wrong message, like, oh, they hate this event, instead of like, oh, they hate that we cut all these benefits, so we'll just never run this event again. Squeaky Wheel gets the grease. This also reminds me of when they were doing the first Sonic movie, and Sonic had those awful teeth. (laughs) Oh, and, everything, oh, and the eyes. Yeah. They I don't know about the eyes, but I know the teeth. They,
0: they Sonic had like human it was awful. teeth, like molars, canines, each individual. Teeth. But yeah, his
1: eyes, each individual tooth. I think his damp- hands.
3: Activated. I think almost every single thing about the character was changed from trailer one to trailer two.
1: The fans like really stood up and said, "This is." The worst thing we've ever seen. And they actually went back and reanimated him with a whole new design. And I think that movie actually did pretty well. I mean, at least got a sequel. Mm -hmm. And then there was also a game that was going to come out, I think this year called suicide squad kills the justice league or something like that. It was like a suicide squad game. And I mean, it was, I think like a month away from coming out and they put out some gameplay stuff and it was like real pay to win loot crate garbage and it was clowned online so hard that they actually took the game back to the development to, uh, I guess, kind of rebuild it from the ground up because no one was willing to like buy it. Mm-hmm. Wild. Yeah,
0: so these examples demonstrate that it is okay for enfranchised players to criticize their game or criticize the hobby. When they see flaws or when they see weaknesses or they see something about their game is in decline it's normal to care about the health of the game and want it to continue and developers do need to see criticism we in the magic sphere whenever they came out with the secret Lair walking dead there was a huge uprising of criticism about those cards because of the incredibly limited access to them and the fact that they were mechanically unique. You were never going to see these cards anywhere else unless you spent the 40 to $50 on this exact box right now. And you have a week to do it. Yeah. You have a week to decide. Since then, whenever they've done these universes beyond secret layers like Stranger Things, they have made a change and said, okay, we're going to make Magic the Gathering IP versions of them and we'll release them in booster packs. So now, if you want Eleven the Mage, it won't be called Eleven the Mage, but you can still have the card that does all the same things and costs the same and has all the same effects.
1: And that was because people constructively criticized, like, "Hey, this is this is a garbage thing." Because that, like you said, at first they weren't going to ever reprint them. It's like, "Well, it's one and done. You know, you have a week to decide if you're going to buy it now."
0: <laughs> and they still haven't. Those, No yeah, to- they are. Uh, no, they're wait, out. that's not true. They are. I remember Lucille having what is it, Giza <laughs> yeah. Shovel?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so.
0: (laughs) Okay, so never mind. Yeah, they did eventually backtrack and come out with new versions, but they wouldn't have done that unless the player base had come out and criticized that decision and said, this is what's important for the health of your game. Players like us and people who are criticizing their game, you need to be wary of your audience. If you complain to a new player or if you complain to someone who is considering getting into the game then it might drive them away they might be saying wow if wizards of the coast is making all of these terrible decisions and they don't care about their player why should i even mm-hmm. get into it but remember what we said earlier is that if you want your game to continue and stay healthy it needs new players all the time
2: yeah and even if the game dies like if wizards went out of business tomorrow magic would still exist right. for for decades but it would slowly dwindle to nothing. You're curating the people who are going to still be there with you when Hasbro goes another direction or whatever, right? And you don't want those people, when you try to pull out your, your favorite pet deck, to be like, is that the game you, you said sucked all the time? That you, that you thought the car... You, why why would I want to try that now?
0: Yeah, yeah. totally true. You, you need to make sure that uh, you're saying more good about your game than bad. If you're trying to get new people in.
2: Yeah, it. if you like your game, show it.
0: Yeah, and that goes back to
2: our first episode. Yeah. If you like
0: your game, show it. Yeah. All right, Benjamin, and let's talk about Universes Beyond.
2: When Universes Beyond first came out with The Walking Dead, a lot of people hated it and a lot of people still hate the idea of seeing different IPs in magic right ips being intellectual property so magic has its own story lore characters and it has basically a consistent flavor from beginning to end now there there are sometimes different planes that that we might visit that,
0: that yeah there are some outliers in there <laughs> yeah
2: but the but the
0: basic like Kamigawa Neon Dynasty yeah. being one that sticks out for me well, it, Not to
2: say I don't like it. I like Cyberpunk. <laughs> sure. No, it sticks out, but they're still Planeswalkers. The magic sure. is basically the same. The colors of magic are basically the same. The idea that there are legendary creatures that do things, right because of the consistency of how magic works in the multiverse, right? right? In the in the entire what do they call it in the I don't know dimension? The planes? entire. Well, what do they call the, the group? The Blind planes? Eternities. Man, I don't remember. Dominaria or uh, Dominia, I think, is what they used to call it. Dominia was like the... Anyways, in the entire multiverse of magic, there's, there's a consistent rule set of how the lore works, right? Yeah. And if you introduce things like Walking Dead or Stranger Things or Transformers... Or or they just recently <laughs> came out with Princess Bride and... Well, we were just talking about Doctor Who. Doctor Who, right? Those places have di- uh, different... Godzilla made an appearance. Yeah.
1: Jurassic Park.
2: Yeah. All of those have different art styles, different lores, different explanations for how magic works. And they can never be tied together. In Magic storyline, you have planeswalkers that go from one place to the other. So even if they are very different style-wise you have characters that are consistent or you might have a more than once had a cross plane thing where one plane attacks another or where a, you have a threat to the entire multiverse that characters from different planes have to step into to deal with and you just cannot you know at no point is optimus prime gonna show up to fight <laughs> elish norn right like yeah and so it, it it can be jarring for some players to oh my little pony oh yeah 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 my that little, was another one yep that yeah, my, we must not forget. Yep. Rainbow Dash is never going to be completed by Jen <laughs> It just is what Somewhere it is. Somewhere out there that fan art exists. Oh, I'm sure. And, and I never want to see it. <laughs> and so there are people who hate it. And then there are people... You know, I have loved all of the... Oh, Lord of the Rings. That was a big... A big crossover there how could we forget about that one? i don't know i blacked out <laughs> and that set was actually amazing and it's close oh, enough. it was an awesome
0: set it was a huge homage to what started medieval fantasy magic in the first place yeah yeah yeah
1: i think the difference with that lord of the Rings set though that i personally have a problem with universes beyond it's that it's not vigo mortensen as aragorn it's you know a completely new rendition, well, as opposed to like universes beyond when it's like oh there's David Tennant oh, or there's yeah. some other famous whatever the guy is from Walking Dead is yeah yeah um,
0: who's the Jeffrey Dean Morgan?
1: Well yeah I was trying to think of who Rick was but yeah Jeffrey Dean Morgan right also oh is like no
0: for me it's all about real Negan.
1: yeah these real people who are now tied like I feel like playing that card is is like ties to like whatever they do outside of that role or you know like what they do in a personal life I guess. Like, as if Jeffrey D. Morgan decided to go, you know... Be a crazy person? Beat someone on the street or something like that. Uh, now I'm like, ah, oh, I feel like this card's ruined now.
2: Right. There's another one that the Lord of the Rings Universes Beyond was an homage to the books and not to the movies. So there's going to be some people who like it and some people who don't. Yeah. And, and so everyone has an opinion about Universes Beyond. Most of them are strong opinions one way or the other. I have noticed, and this...
0: Chime in in the comments if I'm wrong, please. I have noticed that the people's opinions on universes beyond are almost always tied to their opinion on that IP. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If if you like Jurassic Park, you'll probably like the Jurassic Park cards. You know? I think that people's opinions about universes beyond are tied to their opinions on the IPs, and that might not be the most philosophically pure way to think about universes beyond. Do you all...
2: Know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Benjamin, maybe you can
0: say it in a in a better way.
2: Well, yeah. It seems like people judge the universes beyond not from a perspective of is this good for Magic or is this good for the for My Little Pony, but based on do they like both of those things? Now, obviously, the only yeah. only people commenting on universes beyond are Magic players. So all of these universes beyond sets exist because some people in the Magic world. Also, like that other game, world, story, whatever, right? The crossover right. of Doctor Who and Magic exists, right? The crossover of of Walking Dead and Magic fans exist, and so I think what you were trying to say is that it seems like they don't judge universes beyond based on whether or not they think that the crossover. Or Warhammer. Would... That's another one. Oh we yeah, mention. Warhammer. Right. It's not that they care whether or not it's good for the game, it's only about whether or not they like my little pony, warhammer, lord of the rings, whatever. And, and so if they like it, then they suddenly think it's good for the game and if they don't like it, then they don't suddenly think that. That's not true of everyone, I don't think, but it's true of a huge cross section of players where they'll get upset mm-hmm. if it's a, if it's not. And I, and I get it because if I like Doctor Who, I'm fine putting the 14th Doctor into my deck. But if I don't like Doctor Who, or I'd never heard of it, or it has no meaning to me, then putting Doctor Who in my deck is not as fun. If it's an IP I don't like, it could be actively unfun to try to put that, that character that I, I don't like into my deck and have to play it, because at least until they release regular versions, I don't have a choice.
0: Or just because it's so mechanically perfect for the deck you want to put it in. Yeah. Even though you don't like the character or the actor in right. real life, God forbid
2: yeah you
3: know. in that situation proxy yeah well or, i mean they'll eventually
1: art. release a well yeah, I'm saying. Well, i guess maybe not of the doctor who one but you know of the other stuff they'll come up with something i think but we we should also kind of accept universes beyond like i know i said that you know i don't like that one thing but uh i mean this is which is the coast trying to reach out to new players
2: exactly you know yes. the doctor who
1: people who don't know about magic but now there's a new product They're Like, oh let me check this out this looks fun and it has and worked they, oh yeah. yeah it
0: has absolutely worked
2: People so who've never chill.
0: played Magic before got into it from some of these
2: secret layers or from, or from some of these events. Yep, absolutely. What we need to keep in mind is if you see someone playing with or saying they want to buy or inquiring about these universes beyond, let them. They're interested. They're seeing something that they like, that they want to have fun with, and it's not your job to tell people what they like. like yeah. Like, I personally enjoy spicy dill pickled kettle cooked chips and i know lots of people who don't and it doesn't matter let me eat my chips and you go eat your flaming hot cheetos why people want to ruin perfectly good cheetos by making them flaming hot i don't know (laughs) but but i like my own spicy thing with dill pickled chips whatever you you do you i'll do me there's there's enough chips for both of us right and the same (laughs) thing applies to the universe is beyond or any other aspect of your hobby that you think oh well real fans don't like this real fans only like to enjoy it the way i enjoy it i'm the true fan by which all other fans should be judged and if you've never said that but you've acted that way it's the same thing and, yep. and you're ostracizing players and you're reducing the value of your hobby because you've gatekept people based on their personal preferences.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a phrase that I've heard, don't yuck someone else's yum. Yeah. If somebody else likes something, let them like it, even if it doesn't work on you. You know, that means the developer's intention, whatever they were thinking when they created whatever they are that you didn't like, if it's working on somebody else, then that means their intention worked and they're going to get a new player and that new player is going to help your game to grow.
2: Yeah, there's a common phrase in magic design where they'll say, you know what, this thing just isn't for you. And people hate hearing that. I've noticed how Mm -hmm. often people are just upset when a product is not for them. And if other people are like, hey, I like this, and they go out and buy it, people get mad at them. Like, why are you supporting this product that's not for me? And this is where that comes in. They're making products that are not for you. And I think Wizards had sometimes used that to make poor decisions regarding pricing or things like that and I'm, and i'm not excusing that that goes back to what we said earlier about feel free to criticize your game or their developers when they make truly bad decisions and need to change things but if it's like a beginner's product let the beginners have it you know it's who it's for it's not for you yeah
0: i think there are some beginner boxes that came out for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. There was like a beginner dual deck set. And they used to do those beginner planeswalker decks. And I think I've still seen every once in a while those deck builders toolkits. Yeah. They're still mm-hmm. around. Yep. That are just full of commons, draft chaff, and basic land. Yeah. But that product is for someone. Yeah. And when I started playing, I bought them. That's for like
3: your eight year old nephew who doesn't need. <laughs> <laughs> might not appreciate uh, a, a the... yet
2: <laughs> well and you know what the commons and uncommons are typically are typically less confusing and so yeah and so if you're they trying have, to they have one or two keywords
0: that are important to learn
2: yeah those are the perfect products. and in fact i might buy a couple for my kids even though i have more than enough cards for all of us and I don't need more commons and uncommons. But if my kids, the box
0: will have done the curating for you. Exactly. If if I so need you to don't get have my to kids search
2: through your boxes. into the game, there's no better way than to find a beginner product and let them experience the fun of learning from the beginning. Like we talked about earlier, going back to the beginning. I don't want to do it, but if I, there's no way I can give my kids one of my. Complicated decks and expect them to enjoy the game. It's just never gonna happen.
0: What you don't think Margaret could pilot in the Infinite? Absolutely
2: not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even pilot Tracen the Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, and t- to be clear, like some of y'all might not be able to, right? Without practice first, and y'all oh, are for sure, and y'all are. In franchise players, but it's got a lot of complicated cards and a lot of complicated interactions, and that's the whole point, right? Like there are products out there that are not for me, but they're for somebody. And if I get mad at Wizards for making them, or I get mad at people for buying them, or I get mad at people for enjoying them, then I'm the problem, not those other people. It's me, right? And the other thing here is, I remember I used to buy a lot of these products or a lot of cards that I knew were not good because I enjoyed them and I was going to try to make them work, you know, just for fun. Yeah. And I actually think I mentioned this in our Get Good episode where I would sometimes go online and play these these strange or, or crazy decks that I, I knew weren't necessarily good, but I just wanted to see how bad were they? Is there a chance I could do something with them? And there would be people who would who would get upset that I was not playing top-tier decks, even after I beat them. Like, I would beat them and they would be like, can't believe you're playing this trash. I'm like, okay, so it's not a tier deck, but obviously it's good enough to hang. <laughs> yeah. If I'm trash, then what are you? Right. Got him. <laughs> but they would be upset because I was not playing the the established meta, right? And sent so, and so yeah. they're like, that's not acceptable. And if I had been a new player who had just stumbled on these cards, that would have been a big turnoff.
0: Yeah, major
2: turnoff. Yeah.
0: Why should I play if? Other people are going to treat me that way.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I like what you said. Don't yuck someone's yum. If they have different tastes than you, then let them buy the broccoli and you can buy the asparagus. It's fine. Ugh,
0: asparagus. Yuck. I love asparagus. I do too. I had one more mm-hmm. thing I wanted to say about Universes Beyond and Magic specifically, and it kind of goes with how I feel about comics and superheroes too. The more IPs, the better. Yeah. And not to say that I like them, not to say that, that I... You know, I've mentioned I haven't watched any Doctor Who, but I think Magic is such a strong game. I think the mechanics of Magic are so fun and complex and engaging that if it takes someone else's, you know, IP fandom and gets them into Magic, they'll stay and keep playing Magic because of the game that it is. You know, they might jump in with Optimus Prime, but they'll keep playing. They'll yeah. keep playing when the next new magic thing comes out. When Nicol Bolas ever comes back out of his prison, they'll be here because Optimus brought them in. That's the two cents that I wanted to throw in, and I think that whatever gets people into playing is going to be good for the game. That was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. Okay, that brings us to news, news, news. From. From. from from the warfront. Oh, We have got a post this week from our board games. Board games are things that people gatekeep also. You know, they get complex, they get complicated. Even people who think American games are superior to European games and all sorts of stuff like that, so I thought this was an interesting post. The poster says, I love playing any sort of games and I've been trying to introduce my family to various board games over the last year or two. My wife told me that once we really get the hang of a game, it can be a lot of fun, but that learning each new game is a real slog. I usually see learning the games as part of the experience and don't really mind it. I'm curious if this is a common thing for people trying to get their friends and family into the hobby. The title of this literally said, is it normal for learning games to be a barrier to entry? And the answer is yes. This is pretty normal, that learning something new is a barrier for people.
2: Yeah, I think I've experienced this. I identify with the poster a lot, where learning the game is part of the experience. I, I love the mystery. I love discovering what the designers had in mind. I love trying to solve the puzzle. But I have often found that when I teach a game, most people don't have that attitude, right? I think the people with that attitude become hardcore gamers, usually because they like the puzzle and if you're trying to get yep. new we people we mentioned
0: in our in our why people play games episode seeing what the game designers were trying to represent through the mechanics yeah I've... and there's no better way to dig into that than going through the rule book and saying okay they named this step this and they represented it with these tokens or this resource or whatever
2: right i think that people like us who enjoy the learning part and not just the playing part have to really learn how to accommodate you know those people who don't or they're not gonna have people to play games with and we talked about lots of ways to do that in teaching your game episode uh, episode five but there's i have two main answers One, I think, is to maybe stick with one game that you've taught them for a little while. That was my exact
0: thought. I was thinking, play fewer games.
2: Yeah. You know, introduce one game and play that one a while until some people start to show signs of mastery and then introduce one new game and then that becomes your rotation. But of course, stick with that new game for a while so that they get to enjoy the fruits of what they've learned and yeah and become masters and catch up to you and, and and say okay learning a complicated game is worth it because i'm going to have lots of fun as a result so even if they don't enjoy the learning the learning becomes worth it whereas if you're switching games a lot the learning is not as worth it because they spend more time slogging than playing mm-hmm. and then you know it only takes like three doing this three times where you 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 bring games to mastery and suddenly you've got a rotation where. You're, hey, we'll learn this one new game and play it two or three times so y'all can master it, and then we'll do a round of all all four of them, and then do that again. We're going to learn this new game, and we're going to play it three or four times so that y'all can master it, And and now we have five games in the rotation, and it'll get to the point where you don't need to be teaching them new games all the time because your current rotation is enough to sustain you. And who knows, by doing this and building their library of games that they're willing to play, they might start bringing games that they want to try, and then they'll be the ones who are invested. And you won't have to do as much, you know, oh, will they want to learn this or not, because they'll be the ones who say, I heard of this game or I saw this game and I want to try it.
0: Yeah, I always think back to the weekend. It was a Memorial Day weekend when Kristen and I came to visit you and Sarah. And y'all had just had Margaret and we just hung out at your house for three days and we played nothing but Pandemic. Yeah. We played Pandemic over and over and over again. And there were even parts where you or me or Kristen or Sarah, any one of us was like, do y'all want to play something else? And all of us were just like, no, I want to get deeper into this game. I want to try out another strategy or I want to experience this game again. And it feels so, so good to learn a game really, really well. And sometimes I think about board gaming as a hobby. You know, I look at my shelf where I probably have, I don't know, maybe 30 games. But I think of the ones that I play often. It's like four. There are four that I play often. Yeah, And it's because it's the ones that I know really well. And it's the ones that my wife knows really well. Well, those are the ones that we're going to keep playing. You know, we're going to play Marvel Legendary a lot. Mm -hmm. We're going to play Pandemic a lot. Carcassonne is one that comes up with our family. Mm -hmm. Sequence is one that we sometimes bust out with friends who are not big gamers. But it's really, really easy to learn. It's just another one of those games that keeps you busy with your hands while you talk
2: about stuff. Yeah.
0: But I think that a lot of... I don't know. I could certainly be wrong. But I think there's a class of people who just have that collector brain. Pokemon brain, the trading card game brain. And when they get into board gaming, it extends to that. Yeah. And so they just start collecting games.
2: Yeah, I'm a member of a Facebook group. It's a it's a Facebook group for people in Texas to, to try to reach out to other board gamers to set up games. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because I'm a member of that group, I often see when... People are selling games and stuff, and I remember, and this is kind of a sad story, but it goes right to what you're talking about, which is there was a, a guy on there who was helping a friend of his sell off all the games that her husband had bought before he passed away, and and, wow. and there were hundreds and hundreds and the vast majority of the ones they were selling were new in the box some of yep. some of the ones I bought were still wrapped in shrink wrap because still this, in the shrink wrap yeah because yeah. this person had bought all these games I'm sure intending to play them and had never played them and they, the collection was huge and it was all the games that that you've heard of and tons and tons of games you've never heard of because they you know all the all the ones that are for hardcore gamers only that this person had just never played I'm looking at my
0: shelf right now I have two games to, uh three. I have three games still in shrink wrap. Yeah, man, I just have that lizard brain, and whenever I start, uh, oh, that's not counting some of the blood bowl teams I have that are unopened. So, <laughs> uh, I I think that happens, and because they collect, they also want to play each of them. Right. And Derek, I think you mentioned one time when you were talking about borrowing our decks is that some people just love variety. Yeah. And we buy these games with the hope that we'll get to that variety someday. And it's just like collecting and trying out lots of board games is not conducive to the actual experience of getting into something and learning it really well. Yeah. I mean, does that does that jive with y'all? What do y'all what do y'all think of that?
1: No, I mean, I, I agree. I I can't imagine trying to learn several new board games mm-hmm. all at the same time. But I'm kind of the opposite than that you guys are. I don't super love learning because I don't like to feel stupid. <laughs> sure. No, that that's yeah, totally normal. Yeah, it's just hard to feel like the new person and like make stupid mistakes because I want to be good at things and win. And it's hard to do that when you're brand new. But also when like, especially with board games, you know, a lot of them can have a huge list of rules and interactions and stuff. And I guess it's ADD or something, but my eyes start glazing over, I start going catatonic. And I just, my brain doesn't want to hear it for some reason. And yeah. So it could be a struggle that way for me.
3: Yeah. That's something that I had written down earlier as like another potential gatekeeping thing is just too many complex rules like we mentioned before with uh, Kill Shakespeare. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Go back and listen to... Was that in our Teaching Your Game episode also? Yeah, I think it was. Episode Probably five, yeah. We talked for 40 minutes about this game called Kill Shakespeare. Go check it out.
3: Just having like a bad... I guess like a bad intro experience for players Especially on board games when it's just too much too soon. I think a good thing that games can do is one, do a practice round, but also maybe just have like easy, normal, hard versions where you can incorporate more of those rules and pieces into the game. But I mean, Kill Shakespeare just took so much to try to learn. I was turned off very quickly by that game. Cause I just zone out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It just had way too many moving parts that were hard to grok intuitively. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's like putting someone who has no experience with like engineering or, or cars and being like, Hey, can you build this model V8? You have all the parts, no instructions. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> Yeah. And I think going back to your collector comment where you know if you collect a lot you also want to experience a lot and play a lot. The problem is if especially for a game, if we're talking about decks, that's one thing. You can choose when you play your different decks and as long as you're not building more decks than you play, so if you play four in a night, don't don't build four more decks till the, before the next night you play, you should be fine. But for games, it's not you don't get that opportunity because you have to get four other people or however many other people to agree to play your game with you and they're not the ones who collected it you are so they don't have that same emotional attachment to yeah they don't have the investment yeah you put in 50 dollars to buy this game so you feel like you have to do it and, and that may not be how you phrase it to yourself may not be what you admit to it but your subconscious is telling you I need to play this game and I'm willing to learn it and do whatever it takes so that I have a good time and feel like that was money well spent and shelf space well used and nobody else in your gaming group and your family has that attachment that you have that literal buy in yeah you have bought in buying in is so, is so powerful on so many levels I'm wondering if we can do a whole episode on that but like you have the buy in and they don't and so you have to keep that in mind you have to limit how much you try to make them learn in any session, in any in any period of time. And by way of example, earlier today, Travis, you said, Hey, we should try flesh and blood and in my head I'm thinking <laughs> I, I I don't have the the bandwidth I right know, now. I know. <laughs> to learn a new game. Yeah. Speaking of collecting things
0: and them being unopened, I can see five Gundam models that I have <laughs> that are still in boxes. And even though I only see I think it was 3 games in shrink wrap. I can see lots of games that I've played only once or are not in shrink wrap but bought used and never played. Yeah. Oof.
2: Oh. Mm. Oh, oh my god, I just spotted a fourth one in shrink wrap. Oh no. You know what? One of these days instead of playing Magic, we should just play new new board game. Just everybody bring out the games and we and we can pick two or we three knock that, them out. That we can knock out. Yeah.
0: This was on a different Reddit post as I was scrolling through potential news items and somebody had said welcome to the land of solo board gaming we have cookies or rather you have cookies if you make them <laughs> <laughs> that that is still an option and i think it's becoming more and more common board game developers are making sure that their game has solo options on how to play them
2: yeah because the collectors are sitting there going i can't justify yeah. buying new games i've never played this other one and this one lets them play it when they're free time even when they don't have any friends so that they buy more
0: such a weird state to be in (laughs)
3: Right. this game that me and Nikki just bought
0: nemesis, right? Yeah. I think that was it. Anyway, it kind of has like
3: a a survival horror alien Xenomorph kind of vibe to it. Uh, I think
0: it's a single player option as well. If we do the board game thing, I'll probably bring that. Cool. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Any final comments before Benjamin's words of wisdom, Derek behave. I might. (laughs) (laughs) I might, I might not. Who can say? Depends on how capitalism has affected me today.
1: And it hasn't been good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Benjamin,
2: take it away. I kind of feel like this entire episode has been a word of wisdom, but I just want to start from the very beginning and say, you know what? Let people have fun. Your life will be better and you'll have more fun if you just let other people have fun. You don't need to go around telling people how to feel or judging people for being different from you or deciding whether or not that something makes someone good enough right you decide what's good enough for you you decide what's good for you you decide what you enjoy and seek that make your life better through your own experiences and what you're seeking and don't worry so much about whether or not someone else meets your expectations support them in what they enjoy and do more for yourself and then that'll make the whole world better i love it tldr short sweet and if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all right that that's a great tldr or live and let live here's my tldr
1: tldr uh if you uh gatekeep your hobbies uh you (laughs) 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 oh
0: my gosh
1: y'all really thought i was gonna be the problem it's, this is my payment i don't get payment to be that's here true. i get paid and <laughs> to
2: swear <laughs> on that's <payment> right. five dollars <laughs> 15 weeks ago oh my goodness 15 uh.
1: <laughs> i think oh god yeah we've been doing it for a
2: while hey wh- I th- we think we've missed a week or two or yeah two. i think we've missed two weeks yeah and and we're on episode 13
0: i'm honestly pretty impressed guys i think we've done pretty good
2: yep now if we can just get some l- viewers or listeners yeah we've we've got a great show we just need need an
0: audience just like how these games require players. Okay, remember that if you have listened to this point and you want to get on the pod or get your comments on the pod or get your questions on the pod, send us an email directly at mymythicalmeta at eldoradogaming.com. Please also like, share, subscribe, leave reviews on your audio formats. Make sure to comment and like on YouTube. Don't gatekeep the podcast. Thank you guys so much for being my great friends. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. Later. Ciao. This episode was sponsored by Eldorado Gaming. Use the promo code META for 10% off your order. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share. This episode was edited by me, Travis Konashek, and our intro and outro music is by Tyler Heath of the Oh Hellos.